not going to call you St. Rose, though. <laughs> the Samaritan woman, as we mentioned earlier, is St. Fotini to about a billion people who self-identify as Christians in the world. And on February 26th, they have their, her feast day. So I'm still going to be talking about the woman at the well when we get to St. Fotini's feast day. And uh, that's, of course, all tradition. That's not in the Bible, but it's a tradition that dates back to very early in the history of the church. So today we're going to go back to the woman at the well, John chapter 4, if you have your Bibles. If not, I'm going to be putting it on the screen in the NIV. I have a question for you, and today is about questions. My question for you is, who's your one Who's your one person that you will pray for and seek to reach in 2020? Who's your one? The the bookmark we've included twice now in the worship guide. I hope you've got a copy of it. If you don't, there's one at the welcome desk, and you can pick it up. But on the back, there are lines. And one of the things we want to do is put down the name of one person who is upon our heart that we can reach out to and pray for in this new year. So my question is, who's your one? I asked that question on Wednesday, and somebody said, well, I've got two or three. That's good. That's good. That's fine. So do I. And uh, I'm praying for two or three people myself this year and actually was able to converse with one of them this week. And so we're just seeking to draw people to the Savior. Uh, I don't know, your one may not know Jesus as Savior. They may know him and have wandered away from him. Or they may just be going through difficult times. But let's make sure that we've got our one listed. Because we are seeking to be disciples of Jesus. We want to follow him. And he is, he is going out of his way of necessity He had to go through Samaria to reach this woman. That was the necessity of his trip through Samaria. So we're in verse 4 of chapter 4 of the Gospel of John. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. By the way, Joseph grave is there. You remember when Joseph died in Egypt, he gave instructions to them that they were to take his bones back to the promised land when they left Egypt to go back to the promised land. It was 400 years. They exhumed the bones of Joseph, the prime minister of Egypt, and carried them in caravan back to the promised land. And they buried them in this plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. I find that very interesting. And here there is a well. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Is it a little warm in here? It's on purpose. We're heating it up a little so you feel like the woman at the well. All right? a little warm. And it was warm. It was noontime. That's a hot climate. 
When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Your Bible may say, give me a drink. There is no punctuation in the original Greek, so they don't have a question mark to let you know it's a question. If you are conversing, it's pretty easy because voice inflection can tell you it's a question. But if you're writing text, it's not that easy. So some people think this should be cast as a question and some people as a statement. There are 10 questions in this dialogue with the Samaritan woman, the longest recorded dialogue of Jesus with an individual in the Gospels. 10 questions. This is the first one. Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. That is a parenthesis. John is one of the disciples. This is his gospel, which he wrote. He remembers going into the town to buy food. He puts it in the parentheses. We all went to town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So asking is the theme of verse 10, the response of Jesus. Not a question, it's just about asking. Asking. Questions are a superior way of conveying information, teaching, and learning. Jesus, at age 12, surprised the teachers of the law with his questions. They were astonished at his questions. Jesus used questions frequently to stir the thinking in individuals, to help them mull over things that were going on in their own lives. He left them often with questions. And here he has a question. Will you give me a drink? I wrote an article about a question this week that I thought was intriguing. I sat down with someone they were explaining to me the protocols of Alcoholics Anonymous. And they said, and he said, when we meet with our sponsor, the person who is their partner in this effort to stay sober, the first question he asks is not about sobriety. They are taught to ask this first question. It's 8.30. Who have you helped today? Other people apparently are interested in that question because I've had lots of feedback on that little article. Who have you helped today? A fundamental question for a person who is seeking to stay sober. Who have you helped today? I found out that Dr. Bob and Bill, who wrote the big book, have you heard of the big book? 
How many of you have actually heard of the big book? Let me see your hand. Okay. For all the rest of you, I want you to know, this book is given away free. You can download it. It is a tremendous influence in the world of people. This little book. It has gone around the world, been translated in all kinds of languages. Dr. Bill and Dr. Bob and Bill would not take any money for it. They're just giving it away. They had a question when they went back to the hospital that was treating them. Their question was, can we talk to other people who have our same problem? They actually went to hospitals to start working with people. I tell you, who have you helped today? That's part of getting well. Whatever's troubling you. If you're having difficulty, if you're going through a hard time, if you're in the valley of trouble, the question for you is, who have you helped today? Jesus listens to this woman. So I'm going to say a Three things, okay? The first one is this. If you're going to be like Jesus in your conversation, choose to listen. Choose to listen. We live in the noisiest time in human history. You know, I lived in the city of New Orleans for 24 years, all told. The city never gets dark and it never gets quiet. You can hear the horns, you can hear the trucks, you can hear them changing gears, you can hear the rumbles of freight trains, you can hear fog horns on the Mississippi River. It is a place where there is continual white noise everywhere you go 24-7. We live in a noisy world. Listening is an essential part of conversation and it's a skill that you must cultivate to be more like Jesus Jesus does not dominate this conversation he is the Lord of the universe he knows all answers to every question you would think he would talk perpetually right like most people who think they have all the answers do. They just talk perpetually because they don't care what anybody else thinks or is going to say. They know all the answers already. If you talk perpetually, young person, old person, you may be saying, well, that's just part of who I am. Okay. Try to be a little more like Jesus. God gave you two ears and one mouth so you would listen twice as much as you talk. Perpetual talking is actually a serious problem. It keeps you from hearing what other people want and need to say. Learn to listen. Cultivate the discipline of listening. If Jesus can sit there and listen to this Samaritan woman, 
with whom no other Jewish rabbi on the planet would have a conversation. If he could sit there and listen to this Jewish woman, we can learn how to listen to others. Listening is a gift of love that you give people in your life. It's a gift of your time and your attention. Your spouse needs you to listen to him or her. Your children need you to listen to them. Your friends need you to listen. Sometimes you will sit with a friend for half an hour and listen as they just talk. And when they're done, it's like, it's amazing. You're such a good counselor. And you think, what did I say? Can't remember saying anything. All I did was listen. You know, there are places in the country now where people are professional listeners and folks will actually pay them to sit down and listen to them. Did you know this, Susan? Yeah. So watch out, professional counselors. <laughs> if you get to be a good listener, somebody might just pay you to sit down and listen to them. Okay, here's five tips, not original with me but things that are just natural about listening, okay? Number one, maintain eye contact. I've talked before about how Jesus saw this woman when many people never saw her. And here we're discovering that he heard this woman when many people never heard her. If you will connect eye contact with real listening, it will communicate compassion, kindness, and love to the person who's seeking to talk to you. Maintain eye contact. Second thing, focus on understanding, not responding. You have the tendency when your spouse begins to give his side or her side of the picture while they are talking to formulate your response. In other words, you're not really listening to what they say. You're taking an interlude in your conversation to formulate your response. It would be better if we actually listened to the other person and postponed our response so that we actually understand what they're saying. Not everybody may be as good as you at putting things into words. Maybe some of the significant people in your life struggle to be fluid in their conversation. And maybe you're so good with words, you can win just about any argument. And you can get the last word. If you have the gift of gab and you are fluid in your conversation, you especially must see Jesus talking to this woman and hear him as he speaks and then watch him as he listens. You're going to have to give your partner, your child who stumbles with their words, you're going to have to give them space and attention. 
and cultivate patience so you actually hear what they say. If you are in a marriage where you were the stronger conversationalist, you were more powerful with words, you need to back off, tone it down, and tune up those ears of yours to listen to that partner who needs to speak to you and convey what's on their heart. Focus on understanding, not responding. Third thing, show attention through body language. Have you ever been having a conversation with somebody and realize by their body language that they're just ready to go? <laughs> Does that ever happen to you? You realize, man, they're ready to go. I want to ask your forgiveness because sometimes I get in a conversation with you in the hallway or in a classroom or somewhere and I'm on my way, and I don't really finish the conversation like I should. And I ask you to forgive me. If you're trying to talk to me and you notice that I'm kind of going like this, and I'm, I look like I'm about ready to tear off, just reach out there and thump me on the head. All right? So I'll stay and stay engaged with you. Show attention through body language. Be careful how you're fidgeting, what you're doing with your body if somebody is talking to you. Interact with the speaker. If you're not quite getting it, ask a question that rephrases what they just said. Is this what you're telling me? That'll let them know you're engaged and you're hearing them. And listen without fixing. We all want to fix it. We want them to feel better. But a lot of people are talking to us not wanting us to fix it or even believing that we can fix it. They just want to articulate to us and let us know where they are. Learn to listen. Understand the question, how can you, a Jewish man, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Her question tells so much about her. She's got a stereotype of Jewish men, doesn't she? I know you. You're a Jew. Hey, I got it. I know you. You're a man. I know how men act. And Jesus is blowing apart the stereotype. She also has a sense of who she is. She's a woman. Less important than men in that culture. Particularly in anything like a religious discussion. And she's a woman of Samaria. She's part of that group of half-breeds. That live in between Judea and Galilee. And intermarried with the people of the land. And developed their own religious practices. I'm a Samaritan woman. I have this sense of who I am. And you're a Jewish man. And I know who you are. And what you're doing right now is exploding all my understanding. Why are you talking to me? Why are you talking to me? 
We live worlds apart. She's thinking in her heart. Although, Galilee's not 30 or 40 miles from Jacob's well, where Jesus grew up. They're in Nazareth. They're only that far apart. But they're way apart in terms of culture. Listen to the questions. She realizes that she is not only in Samaria, but she is of Samaria. She is wise in this regard. So many people never really have a self-understanding. So many of us never position ourselves in the broad spectrum of human experience and thought. We see our own approach as the center of the world, as the norm for all times and places. You get where I'm going? We think, hey, this is how we do it. It's how it's got to be done. If you reflect on this, you'll see how foolish it is. We have not developed the intellectual and cultural pinnacle of the human race here in Coryell County. Or in my family. Or in your time. Or in your space. We need to back up and see a broad spectrum of the world. She is from Samaria. And she feels sealed in that way. And she's grown up with all these traditions. And Jesus is speaking to her and she doesn't know why. Positioning ourselves in the spectrum of history and thought helps us understand who we are. Jesus wants her to come to two realizations. He wants her to see the activity of God. So what I challenge you to do is listen for what God is doing. Listen to the activity of God in the world. Jesus wants her to find out who he is. He wants her to know who is speaking to her. Now, we open the Bible. We have spiritual conversations. We come to church. We sit and discuss things. And sometimes our hearts are moved. And we feel inside prompted to do something circumstances come into our life and we wonder why has God allowed this to happen what is going on around me what is this what is somebody trying to tell me something if you feel like somebody's trying to tell you something through your circumstances through the inner prompting of your heart if you're feeling drawn somehow to Pray or seek God. Here, here's the question. You need to ask, who is it that's speaking to me? Who is this talking to me? The Samaritan woman is in every person's place as she has this conversation with Jesus. And is asking, who is this man? Who is this voice? Who is this person speaking to me? 
It's the task of every human being who hears the call of God, who hears the inner voice, who sees circumstances around them and people in their lives, who's asking, what in the world is going on? Is God trying to tell me something to know who it is that speaks to them? And the second question is, am I going to believe? Who is this speaking? And how can I have this living water? We come to a response time every week. And you know what this response is really about? It's about listening to what God is saying to us, recognizing it's God, and responding to Him in this moment. It's saying, Lord, I hear you. I see you talking to this Samaritan woman, and I hear you talking to me. And Lord, I believe it's you speaking in my heart. Sometimes I get questions about the unpardonable sin. What is the unpardonable sin? Jesus said that it is sinning against the Holy Spirit. The unpardonable sin is when a person attributes the work of God to the devil and they will not acknowledge the work of God in their life. They won't listen to what God has to say. They are sinning against the Holy Spirit who brings conviction, who draws people unto God. The sin against the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we resist the Holy Spirit. We hear God speaking and we just push him away. I'm challenging you this morning. Ask the question, who is it that's speaking to me? Who's talking to me? What is this conviction I feel? And the second question, how can I, how can I trust Jesus in the middle of this? How can I be forgiven of my sin? How can I have life, this living water that Jesus talks about? Bow with me, please.